Yes. Um, if you didn't listen to the intro episode, my name is Josh Weichman from Rose Bear Arts, and this is Jailbreak the Podcast. We're going to be looking at the world of um, small business and art and um, just trying to grow in this world and do good things, and um, that's about it. So, uh, as I said, I'm from Rose Bear Arts. I'm an artist. I do digital art, paintings, uh, sculpture, all kinds of stuff. My main thing is sticker art, um, and I'm just navigating this small business world and learning a lot. I've been doing it a few years, and now through this podcast, we're going to kind of document my journey and, and the people I meet along the way. So, um, I started thinking about who I wanted to have on as a guest first, and I started thinking about some people I dealt with early on in, in business. And I am going to have them on, but I kind of wanted to take it back further when when I think about art and um, just expression through art and music and stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. I couldn't help but think of my friend Dan Hargesheimer. Uh, we've been friends since, I guess, I guess middle school. And, um, you know, we don't always see each other. People, even though we live like two miles from each other, we, we both work full time and have families and... Um, but Dan is one of the first guys I thought about when I thought about just someone that had an impact on me in the art world and in music. Thank you. Sure, sure. And um, I got a lot of love for him and his family, and he's a brilliant musician. And we've always vibed when it came to art and, and just positive stuff. And um, I want to thank him for coming out and just chatting with me. Course. So thanks for thanks for glad to be here and I'm glad and honored that you actually thought of me and to place me on the first episode that's probably gonna have a lot of skips and stumbles and uhs and yeses and filler (laughs) words and lack of discussion trying to fish for what is next. Yeah, we're we're definitely gonna you're gonna have to have a little patience with us. But Uh, uh, I'll be able to help you get off track. There'll be a a good learning (laughs) curve and and many reasons I had Dan out for the first episode, but Besides what I've already mentioned is we always have great conversations, no matter what's going on in the world. We always we always have good conversations, and he don't mind if I stutter. I hope you don't. And uh, we, we are enjoying a little bit of tequila today, too, so just to um, just to loosen things up. And it is quite good, isn't it, Dan? It's very good. It's uh, Tierra Nobel uh, Reposado. I remember I used to hate tequila, and in my early 20s, I was more of a whiskey guy. But I had a group of friends that would always want to do shots of tequila, and I dreaded hanging out with them because I knew it's what they're going to do. But now that I'm older, yeah. like the taste of dirt tastes better. <laughs> like the, t- the taste of soil. And yeah. it, it, I feel, I honestly feel more like connected to like I understand the taste yeah. of the worm and the dirt <laughs> that and, it has come from. And the, and I think all of us started hating tequila at a, at a young age as, as we explored the things that we wanted to try and um i think jose cuervo gold tequila did a huge disservice to anyone drinking because it's not even tequila like there's a lot of good tequilas but you have to know what you're drinking and um stuff like that isn't even well, it's like mostly sugar I it's not even real tequila but when you're younger it's an escapism yeah and that's what happens you know, in a bad manner when you're older, it's it's an escapism. But when you're older and you can actually enjoy it and time out when you yeah. want to escape, mm-hmm. you can actually enjoy what you're yeah. drinking and you can, you know, use it more. 
as a tool instead mm-hmm. of a crutch. Yeah, and and if anyone knows me, they know I drink a lot of tequila. Maybe I'll do a whole episode on that one day. But um, but I, I just want to get with Dan about um about art and and the art that he creates, the art that he consumes, um, like what what do you, what kind of art is your favorite to produce, Dan? Because I know you've done poetry, I know you've done music and every aspect of the music world. Um, well, to be honest, uh, I actually don't really think I'm very well at art, um, as far as standard definition. But I I'm one of them people that likes to believe that I live art. Uh, poetry is a number one thing to me. My sister at a young age, I looked up to her like greatly cause she was like two years older. And I mean, by the time I was 14, I already saw the cure and Sonic youth. And I saw these nice. cool bands having an older sister, but she was like a poet and, you know, um, giving my parents a hard time and all that. But I liked, I liked that I didn't have to have a perfectly structured sentence. I didn't have to have punctuation in the right place. There wasn't pressure to have a format and I could use words and adjectives to describe feelings that weren't necessarily perfect or placed in a traditional manner. Um, So I definitely, definitely sway towards poetry. I loved ballet. I love music. Um, Art to me is an international language. We all can hear the same chords in music if there's no words. I, could, you know what I mean? I want to interrupt real quick, and I'm going to come back to poetry because I have some comments on that. But early in this conversation, you said something about the definition of art. and How do you define art? Because there, there's a broad spectrum of how people view it. Well, yeah, well, I mean, art is definitely subjective. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't believe that everybody's mind enjoys the same type of pleasure but I guess to me it would be like a stimulant or a release that isn't necessarily formatted um painting is something that I wasn't as good at but you and your brother what's funny is when I first met you guys I your brother was way more fine line talented and you were a little bit less you, you were more sporadic and I remember I related to you a little bit more and, and through music and everything and with punk rock and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. And then I couldn't draw as well as you guys. Yeah. So I always remember watching going, man, this is like cool to be around these type of people. And it's cool because I looked up to people like I wished I could have been that's, as good. That's funny because I felt that way towards you about you and your dad like in your talent for drums and your talent for music so well that's you're supposed to be around people that lift you up right yeah yeah. Yeah, if you're in if you're the smartest one in the room you shouldn't be in that room anymore right it's that classic saying i love it yeah i love it i kind of my definition of art is just i guess i don't have a clear one but just how i view it is just to create yeah if you're just creating whether that's whether that's a a painting a a digital art uh, or a cupcakes i don't know if you're creating and you're putting emotion into it to me that's a great that's art yeah so. food can be art man you're so, right the process yeah. i mean you're if you're bringing something into this world and you're creating it on your own i, I'm, I think it's why i settled for the job that i did i yeah. never i never wanted to be a welder yeah. i never wanted to be a welder my dad was a welder and there's mm-hmm. a welding machine yeah. i never wanted to be a drummer mm-hmm. there was a drum my, my dad was a drummer there's drums yeah so people awesome. people just put me there and welding i rem- i just like you said I could create it 
and I could look like this and mm-hmm. I could get tattoos. And as long as I showed up on time and I worked hard, it fulfilled the aspect in my life where I saw just straight lines, but then I had to cut them at degrees and pitches and angles and then weld mm-hmm. them together and fuse yeah. them. And then all that, it, even though it might've not been a painting or the Mona Lisa, it was, it was taking something out of yeah. nothing. And you've, and you've also transferred your skills from welding into some sculptures and stuff too. Yes. So, yes. Um, I haven't seen you do anything like that in a while. Are you, you going to be doing more? Or Last just... year, my goal was to take one day a month and go to the shop and work on art. Okay. But then I work six days a week. Yeah. Yeah. That's and tough. then I only have one day off a week yeah. and then taking care of like three kids and then doing music obligations with friends and mm-hmm. it, it just it, you know life became uh consuming yeah. and i lost i i unfortunately my my instagram the the first five posts were sculptures and mm-hmm. poetry yeah and then after them i had zero time yeah and then years went by yeah it's it's hard. it's definitely hard it, it can be hard honestly all the things that i want to create and the things that I want to do in art are a, a lot of them are, are too time consuming the painting sculpture I I actually love those things a lot but they're they're time consuming just to if I'm going to paint a picture I gotta like just to set up takes a long time yes. I don't have like a studio space that's yeah. how it is with playing music and yeah. drums yeah so honestly that's why I'm so heavy on digital art now and I plan on eventually Convenience Getting, of commodity. Yeah, yeah. It so really I, is. I mean, I can, I can bring that iPad with me everywhere I go, and if I get some downtime, I can draw. So that's nice. You know, you, you can't really... People paint. have been telling me I should get, like, a drum machine or, like, what beats I would come up with. But being, yeah. like, a drummer since 94 mm-hmm. and I'm an old-school mm-hmm. drummer, I'm like, no, yeah. I don't want to... Like, I was trying to refuse it. Mm-hmm. But everyone's like, no, like, picture your mind on having the ability. Yeah. And exactly what you just said... I want to play drums sometimes, but I don't feel like driving down the road. I don't feel like yeah. breaking some cymbals out, switching up the set because my dad plays different than me. Mm-hmm. And having that half hour of setup becomes the artist's hill. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if yeah. I want to climb it. Yeah. And then I just don't want to climb it. So maybe I, you know, maybe having the access and the ability to do it is will help your mind. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I will say um, I've seen a lot of your art that you've done from, as long as I've known you for like 30 years or something and the sculpture stuff and some poetry, admittedly, I, I don't get much poetry or that's just kind of me. I think, I think it's like an ADD thing. Like I'm just not good with words. Like I, I have songs that I've listened to for 20, 30 years that I love the song and know every word. And only now I'll listen to it and really listen to it. And like, Oh, I never realized that's what they were saying. <laughs> like, Oh, the words mean something. It's always been more yeah. melody to me. Yeah. So, so poetry, it's, I, I mean, I have a respect for it just like every other art, but I don't, you know, I don't I, under, I don't understand a lot. You know what it is? For it's me? not on my level. I tell secrets in it. Yeah. A lot of people, I bet some of my close friends will know, but, um, I kind of think secrets are romantic. Okay. Now, I don't like malicious or or anything that could be scandalous. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like you're married and you have kids and you love them more than anything. Mm-hmm. But you spend all of your life in your own mind. Mm-hmm. And you spend more minutes with yourself than anyone else. Sure. So having experiences and having things in your own head and embarrassments and, and 
and like insecurities or things like that. Um, and being male or whatever, uh, sometimes I feel more comfortable to throw it at you in a barrage of words where you might misunderstand it or you might get it right on the head. Mm-hmm. And then I have an escape goat. Mm-hmm. Now I could tell you something very personal through some words describing the way that you tied the knot lifting on the curtain to the right side of your room, but you wouldn't know that that meant to me on the right side of my room when I was a child, mm-hmm. that's something, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. like, I feel like there, it's like a way of yeah. telling these secrets in your own way. You know, I, I don't and know. It's weird. I, 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 <laughs> I think with me, it's, maybe it's an intelligence thing. I don't, I'm, I'm just, I'm just a very literal person. I hear things literal and I speak literal and like, I guess I'm just, I'm not very deep when it comes to like words, like songs or poetry. I feel like art I can be like visual, like paintings and stuff, but I, I, I'm not a good reader either. So maybe it's just something with words. Yeah. But, um, you, it, over the next 20 or so years, you will see me do a lot of different art. Probably not poetry. Maybe you never. You never. Hey man, know. we could do you a collab. Know. Yeah, we could yeah. collab, right? Yeah, hey yeah. Man, that's hey what, yeah. I like when that. You're, when you're in the art industry, I like that. You we, you have friends mm-hmm. that are chefs, yeah. and you have yeah. and you and again, you should build your circle mm-hmm. and you should build your people that you, that uplift each other, and you all have different things to contribute. Yeah. If we all mm-hmm. if we all just painted, then there's a room full of paintings. Yeah. But you consider yourself a diverse artist. You're not. Yeah. You yeah. need to hang out with. Every type of person that has some form of emotional, uh, you know, trying to just project their emotions yeah. in any format, just like you said earlier. What, what, what I actually really enjoy from my, my experience going into the art world is, and this is with poetry or a painter or whatever, someone might produce a painting that I don't particularly like. <laughs> like, it's not something I would have I don't in like my most. House. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but I still love... I love the process. I love that they're doing it. Bro. I, lo- I can see what it means to them, and I like that, if that makes any it sense. It makes... You know what I... And this, this... I can relate to you. A lot of times when I see art when I was younger, if it was something I could do, I didn't respect it. Mm-hmm. Like, I could do that. I, I get... I'm that way with music. Okay. So, then you started realizing brush strokes. And if you see some abstract art, and it looks like shit, and it looks like they just manically fucking just rub the brush on it and anyone mm-hmm. could do it okay fine anyone can do it mm-hmm. what was that artist feeling when they mm-hmm. were doing it yeah. and then you start to see the aggression in the brush strokes mm-hmm. and then you start to see maybe they were crying maybe they had yeah. something that they needed to tell you and they couldn't tell you so they told you with those brush strokes yeah and that is like the the thing that with art like i've noticed when when i see stuff now and i go oh i could do that mm-hmm. i step back and i check myself yeah and i go okay and then I start to like see and like you could see tiny splatter or a shiver yeah. or anything like that. And it's like, man, I wonder the day that they painted that. Mm-hmm. Just like tattoos. They all don't have to have meaning. They all don't have to symbolize something. But the day that you got it. Yeah. What were you feeling? Who were you with? <clears throat> when, when you decided to get it, did it bring back any memory? Yeah. You know, like uh, I, it's just like that. Yeah, I, I definitely understand you because like, I mean, I like some abstract art, not a lot of it. But I love to make it, but like really when I when I have made it, like I, I have a large piece I did, I'll show you when we're done, that I was in a dark place. I was like depressed and just angry and a lot of bullshit going on with work and stuff. 
and I had a few glasses of tequila one night. Everybody was asleep, and I just, I just created, and I just made this mess. Basically, yeah, it was the explosion, man. And it's not to me. It's it's not something I hang up. It's not something I show to anyone. It's not something I'm proud of. It was more like therapy for yeah, me. It was a journey, you know. So someone might enjoy it, but I don't know. It's buried over. Dude, there, it's like so. that. It's like the the the, the poor drip art. A lot of it's trash and a lot of it is trash because it's trash when they're doing it. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah you know, you can yeah. take a hundred of them and there'll be like, okay, they look the same, look the same, look the same. And then there'll be one or two. Yeah. And then just the gravity made it fall yeah. a perfect way. Yeah. And I'm not really religious or spiritual that much, but like I'm really in tune with earth. I'm really mm-hmm. in tune with mother nature mm-hmm. and I'm really in tune with life. Yeah. And like, one thing I believe in is gravity because it's yeah. totally real. Mm-hmm. And like, so I don't believe in gravity. So, so you see, you see the way that the paint fell on the canvas, and was it dry? Was it moist? You know, there's so many like things of trash. Poor drip art can be beautiful. Yeah, yeah. you know. And and one thing I've learned, which is it, it definitely applies in the art world, which I, I've seen firsthand, but I. It's something I've read for in the business world when, as far as bringing a product to a consumer is, and it's especially true with art, you can't say no for the customer. Like, yeah, like I've created art yeah. that I don't like. I, and, and this was hard for me early on and I've learned to do it. I don't like it. Bro, I, I well want, banks. How, how many... <laughs> How many times did we make art when we were younger and we threw it in the trash or we gave it away or or it's in a notebook somewhere? But yes, as a small business owner and an artist, I have to put that out there because you it, it may not be great for me, but someone it may mean something to someone else. Mm-hmm. They may see something. I And I've seen that. I've seen people really like something I made that I didn't really like. And there's value in that, you know, that's being a part of society. Yeah. You have an ability and it's an artistic ability. Yeah. And if you have a customer that mm-hmm. wants a teapot, but you don't draw teapots, but you mm-hmm. do it for them. Mm-hmm. Like I, I shouted out in the thing that I build banks. I'm a welder. Mm-hmm. I have much pride in building. I've built a lot of recycling plants. Now mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm kind of like a Greenpeace yeah. kind of earth guy. You know that about yeah, me. I know. So like building a recycling plant meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Building healthcare places that were for low income families meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. But I've built banks yeah. and I've built uh, handrails that had bumps on them so skateboarders couldn't grind on them. Yeah. And I literally was cursing yeah. myself. But yeah. it's yeah. what the customer asked. Yeah. So, as a part of society, I had to build mm-hmm. what the customer had asked of me because this was for a museum in DC. I built the Air and Space Museum down there, I built the Museum of the Bible down there, nice. I built the NSA building, I built a lot of buildings in DC. Mm-hmm. And they wanted skateboard deterrent ramps. Yeah. But I had to because mm-hmm. it was what the customer wanted and it's, yeah. it's being a part of society. Mm-hmm. It's being a part of functioning. I have an ability, which is welding, and I could make them to the blueprints that they gave me. Yeah. So being an artist, it's the same format where a customer asks you something versus whether it's Josh Weichman. Mm-hmm. And even like when you're trying to have stuff, you want some things that appease to the eye. And then you have some things that appease to your eye. Yeah. You know? and Well, I, I tried to have... I have a full-time job. We're not going to talk about too much. But I have a full-time job, which, like I said, I'm blessed to have it. It, it, it puts food on the table. Bro, it's society. But it's... um, I'm 
I'm in a good position where that pays the bills. So I don't have to make art pieces that the the anti skateboard pieces. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't yeah. have to do that. I there there's one train of thought with business and art is to make art that people want to buy. Or the uh, my train of thought is I make art I want and then try to find someone to buy it. Um, it isn't make art that makes people uncomfortable. What's that? It's not to make art that makes people uncomfortable. No. No. I mean, sometimes that happens. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I've lost a follower or two, but that, that's all right. I <laughs> Just <made>, one. <laughs> I, I, make, I make art for me, and then if I'm lucky, I find people that um, enjoy it. Now, I, I do have sometimes people reach out to me for, for custom stuff, and every once in a while I do it. But really, I'm too busy. But anyway, we're not here to talk about me too much. Um, <laughs> Let's get back to your drumming. I love your drumming. You're one of like my favorite Thank drummers you. ever. I just started up again. And I haven't heard you in I don't know how long. But I quit for a while. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Um, so I started playing drums out of default mm-hmm. in 1994. Okay. I met Dwayne. You started at, in 94? Yeah, my freshman year. I thought you started like when you were much younger. Mm-mm. No? Nope. Wow, you were good early. So 1994... Uh, we did. A, I was a freshman, and there was a battle of the bands, and uh, everybody was like, "Let's do the battle of the bands." And ironically, I was the front man. We did Nirvana. Okay. We did Territorial Pissings and and um, and Drain You. Do you remember who the we was? Uh, who the we? Yeah, who was with you? Or it's Ryan DeFalco. Okay. Uh, yeah, he was. He's a good guitarist. I forgot that. So he was in the first band that I played. Yeah. Um, Eric McAllister. He was great about me. These guys were great. Uh, I know the name. Okay, so I was in ninth grade, and my dad had bought a drum set because he was a drummer before, and there was a yard sale, and somebody was selling it for $100. I had no interest in it. These, when I was in ninth grade, I was, like, skateboarding, and I was into punk rock. Yeah. That's right around when I, like, met you. You were a grade below me, but I knew Maya Flower, and I just started, like, meeting all of them. Maya Flower was my middle school punk rock band. So, (laughs) back then, there was only, like, ten punk people in the school. Yeah. It wasn't as big as it was. Mm-hmm. So, like, we all knew each other. Mm-hmm. And um, I, people were like, oh, you have a drum set. You should play drums. And I was like, okay. So yeah. I literally, yeah. Isn't my, that weird my, dad, my dad showed me, like, two or three beats, and I started yeah. a band, and I only wrote original music. I don't know covers. I suck at covers. If you asked me to do one, I, w- yeah. I wouldn't do it good. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. We, when we played, we played some good covers. Well, I've, I've <laughs> never, like, pursued it further than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I drummed... And then I played in a band for about six months with Ryan DeFalco and Ian Durant. Mm-hmm. And it was cool. I forgot, I yeah, forgot you played with them guys. So, wow. Yeah, we played one show. It was my very first show at the Franklinville VFW. Mm-hmm. And Dirty Boots played with your brother. Yeah. And Dwayne yep. and yep. Jeremy Leckenbush. Yeah. Yep. So at that moment, I was wanting to get into more aggressive music. And we played, and that was when Dwayne came up to me and was like, we should play in a heavier band. Yeah. So then I played, uh, you know, Ian moved and Ryan mm-hmm. moved on and me and Dwayne clicked really well and mm-hmm. we started going to shows all the time mm-hmm. and, you know, that was, you were there. Yeah. So we were like, we wanted to play punk rock and hardcore. We yeah. wanted to start playing like heavier music. So then I just, it, it encompassed me and I started playing three or four times a week. Yeah. And I played drums oh, like for 11 years. I was mm-hmm. the drummer of bands. I played in 
multiple bands. I've went to Brooklyn. I did hip hop projects. I played in metal bands. I played in rock bands. I showed up to the studio for friends and just filled in as a drummer. I'm probably on CDs that I don't even have mm-hmm. that I just showed up and played. Yeah. Um, and then in 05, I started to write my own music guitar wise and being a poet, I wanted to write my own records. Mm-hmm. And I originally did my own drums, but then I met a guy named Scott Hism, and I loved the way he played. Mm-hmm. He played so uniquely and so much different. I, I just, honestly, I stopped. Yeah. I stopped being a drummer. In like I know you stopped for a while and it like hurt my feelings. <laughs> That's what a lot of people say. Like <laughs> hurt. So I just bought a new set. Yeah, I'm excited. I just bought a new yeah, set. Yeah. I'm 41, and it's unbelievable. And because thank you. Like, it's the the amount of people that are like, damn, this is where you should be. This is where you should be. Like, it, it, it's weird that I'm like, man, I can't believe these people fall. Yeah. I only really drummed from 94 to 2005. Well, And in those 11 years, people were like telling me that they loved watching me play. Well, this is just, this is just my point of view. Um, I'm not a, a great musician, but I, I could play some bass guitar, a little bit of guitar. But... At that age, I, I started playing, but kind of how you fell on the drums. My brother started playing guitar, so I would tinker with his guitar when he wasn't playing it. And then I was hanging at, out with the Hamels and Bateses, and they started getting into punk rock, and they started playing. And they didn't. They were like, "Josh, you should play bass." And my brother already had the guitar. I'm like, "All right, I'll get a bass." Like, so I started playing bass, and which is really my my favorite instrument, but um. All the drummers that I've played with, I started with JB, Jason Bates, um, great punk rock drummer. Then later I played with you and Dwayne. I always felt, and I hope it was mutual, I always felt like me and you had a bond musically. Like when I was playing, I played with maybe, I don't know, five or six drummers in my life. But with you, it was like there was a telepathic connection. Like if I was going to change and speed something up, because we weren't structured. Yeah, we yeah, played. we were both new. We were both pretty new, but we vibe. We just vibed musically. Like we, we could just play for half an hour. Bro, and, do you and... know that we gave the Suicide Machines a demo of us? No. At I... the church? No, I don't we remember were... that. 18 Inclusal. We gave him a eighteen inclusal. Yeah. You, me, and Dwayne yeah. recorded a five song demo, and I really Holy think we, shit. I think we did either Gorilla Biscuits or Minor Threat on it. We did Gorilla Biscuits and Minor. So and we Ste- Stepping Stone and um, no reason why. No reason why. Yeah. And yeah. we, I think we did them, and we did Holy three originals, shit. and we thought it would be cool <laughs> to go see the Suicide Machines like ninety five, ninety six at the church. I completely. And we gave the drummer the demo. Yeah. And was like, yo, we just recorded this. It would be great if we opened up for you. Holy and we, shit. We, so there's a demo out there. Yeah, yeah. There's a fucking demo out there with you and me on it wow. that I don't know. I don't know what it sounds like. I'd love to hear it. Holy shit. <laughs> I'd love to hear it. I would too. I, dude, I completely forgot we ever recorded 18 Inclusal. That was your tooth, right? Yeah. I, I, we were, we, me, and, <laughs> me and Dan and Dwayne Fennell had this little band and it was uh punk rock and we i think we tried to do some ska riffs but didn't really know Dude, we did hardcore ska and, we some, and punk yeah, we, we, we were confused yeah, we were like yeah. we're just gonna put a little bit of it all in there no we, then, were, and, we were awesome but, <laughs> and then i i had like a i was at the dentist i had a cavity and and, and the doctor said like oh cavity and 18 of clues well I, I guess that's the name of a tooth i i don't know but yeah so that I was like, oh, that's a good band name. It's not. But. So we hit record. <laughs> we had yeah. a little recorder, a little track, and we hit record, and we yeah. set. We gave yeah. the drummer 
the demo himself. You want another, you want another <laughs> yeah. pour here? And he, he's an incredible musician, too. Like, honestly, I'm embarrassed that he heard me at that age. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I met Jay, um, the singer of Suicide Machines, at the uh, the beer fest. Yeah, man, sick. great, great and band. I, oh I got God. to talk to him. Very cool dude. Um, it was it was nice to talk to him about just uh, some some of my history listening to them growing up and uh a few months back i sent him some stickers and t-shirts and all and he like is a fan of my comic strip tim Reaper, that's amazing so, so that kind of made my day but um yeah i didn't even think about the um the tape the demo tape i forgot what you even yeah we it. brought it there i got a shit memory so. <laughs> we brought it yeah i'll never forget because it's i've always like in my head i'm like because being in bands when i was in little league in Kilverona. And when we were like touring, I you know went up to TRL. I met Carson Daly and Kurt Loader and all that like cool <laughs> stuff. We actually went up there right after nine eleven. Okay. And it's kind of a funny story because like Wes is really close to the Good Charlotte guys, and um, he brought me up. And I never really liked fame. I, I don't. Yeah, I never did that wasn't any. Your thing. I never wanted to be popular. Um, That's kind of why I thought you gave up the drums, like because. Like you were too good at it. <laughs> like, I'm well, too thank good you. at this. Let me go do thank something you. else. <laughs> no, I, I yeah, I like I never did music. I don't get along. The, first off, those guys are really great. So this is no shot at them. The good Charlotte. Yeah, they're yeah. really nice, really great guys. Played a bunch of shows with them. They're they're true to the streets. They always got. Um, did you tour like the country with them? No, or? we did. We played a lot of shows with them. Okay. I played Maryland. We we played all the East Coast with mm -hmm. them. And they would always bring us along. We opened up for them at the TLA. Yeah. They were just close friends mm -hmm. um, to Wes. Okay. So they, they took us under their arm. And then, like, you know, we did a Lego Warp tour. We played, dude, okay. Fall, Fall Out Boy opened up for us. Okay. Like, and, uh, they opened Dash, up for you? We, yeah, they opened up for us. Wow, cool. And uh, that other band, uh, Plain White Tees, opened up yeah, for us. Yeah. All those bands opened up for us. That's awesome. But our problem was we were the Philly jerk-offs that fought all the time yeah. and got too rowdy. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it kind of... We would jump off the stage. I remember we played with Fallout Boy in Delaware, and we jumped off stage and literally fought people in the crowd. <laughs> so, and then we would hop back on and play, and like, yeah, yeah that's not marketable. Yeah. That's yeah. not marketable. Yeah. Um, but people loved us for it. Certain people loved us. Mm -hmm. So, um, when I was up at TRL, I remember Wes was more. Um, he was able to deal with with popularity and fame better than I. I, I would get like anxiety and freak out and act out and be a dick. Uh, but he, the crowd would be out front and he would want to go talk with them. So then I would, I remember I was in Carson Daly's room who, who I honestly has a very great knowledge of music. Yeah. And I was like, honestly, dude, this ain't for me. I don't want to go out the front door. Can I go out the back door with you? And like, you know, me, I was just kind of like younger and he probably thought that most people want to be cool. And I was like, I don't care about you. I don't care about anybody. If I had one day left on earth, I'm not hanging out with famous people. I don't, they yeah. don't know me. Mm -hmm. I want to hang out with my friends. Yeah. I want to hang out with people. I'd rather spend, if mm -hmm. I'm $1 million, I want to take you and your family out. Mm -hmm. I don't care about it people. I don't know. So yeah, <laughs> but, but Carson, he was like, dude, you're that wild ass dude from Philly area, aren't you? He's like, I've heard about your band. <laughs> and he awesome. literally heard about us and me and him snuck out the back alleyway. Mm -hmm. And I met Kurt Loader, and back then it was kind of cool. And I didn't give a shit though, like fuck him. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean he's cool, yeah, but yeah. I'm saying like I'm yeah. not starstruck. Mm -hmm. So it was cool because I literally walked around the back alleyway with them while like Wes and Paul went out front and met all the fans and got to shake hands and all that. But being as though it was right after 9/11, our spot on the show got taken off because mm -hmm. they did a 9/11 tribute. Gotcha. So the timing. 
just missed like who knows what could have happened if we actually got to be on TV that day. Yeah. You know, but you know what would have happened? I would have probably ran away screaming mm. because I'm not set up for I don't like being an idol because mm. I don't believe in idols and I I would rather sit with you on the ground and help you get to find what you need than to be your idol. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I don't know what if it's a good thing or bad thing about my personality. I've been told multiple times that I probably could have gone further, but um, what does that even mean? Because when you die, there's you just die, right? Like, well, you're gonna be forgotten. You're gonna be remembered for a little while. Well, <laughs> then, well that, that depends. You know, it I depends. don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't mean to bring it into a dark area, but shit. <laughs> this is chapter two of Jailbreak yeah. the podcast. We just refilled it's the get, glass. It's getting dark. Yeah. No, don't um, talk about me after I die. <laughs> oh boy. Well, jeez, uh, I, I thought of a, a few things to ask you while you were talking. I'm sorry. About no, I now I forget them all. But um, oh, I I got a good question. What? All the bands and all the different music and the, the different things that you played, do you have a favorite? Like, is there something that kind of sticks out to you? Like, this was my favorite band or this was my favorite style? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's all the little stuff, man. I played in front of 10,000 people. Mm-hmm. When I played in front of 10,000 people, um, I was nervous. And my, my boy Dean, I said, yo, come stand next to me on stage. He's like, what? I said, come stand next to me. And he stood... Up on stage while I played drums and just stood there. Yeah. So picture looking up at the stage and there's just this dude standing next to me. That's funny. Because I was insecure. Mm-hmm. But. Well, you were young as shit too. My I mean, three best shows. <laughs> I'm going to tell you my three best shows and I'll try to go quick. Yeah, take your time. My number one favorite show was when I played for my son um, in his first grade class. It was in Glassboro. And Glassboro was very diverse. And he was like. There was a lot of Spanish-speaking people in the class, and he was, like, one of, like, four white people in the class. And they asked me to bring in the guitar. And I did the whole thing that I said earlier where if I hit a note, it doesn't matter what you speak. You all hear that note. Mm-hmm. And, they, and you hear the vibration. And it was so improv, and I don't do covers. So I didn't go there and do Hickory Dickory Do, or I didn't do any songs that anyone knew. Yeah. And I just, the teacher, I told the teacher, I was like, look, I'm, a, I'm an artist. I'm a freeform player. Mm-hmm. I started playing and the kids all stood up and I started playing quicker and they all started running in place. And I'm just, this is and, all improv. And what grade is it? This, this is first grade. Okay. These kids were just going and I'm playing fast and I would stop and they would stop. And then I would play slower That's pretty and cool. they would start walking slower. And this, it was, it was amazing because the teachers and everybody, it was just the whole class was honed in. And the whole class, I would play slow. And I'm talking, I'm playing some weird art dissonant notes. Mm-hmm. I wasn't playing no happy stuff. Yeah. I was playing Dan music. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, I'm in there, I'm almost like, like, yeah, making faces. Like, yeah, I'm playing it. And at the end of the class, they all lined up and they all asked if they could play it. And I sat there and I played with every single person in class. Now, one, I got to let my kid feel like king of the day. Because cool, tattooed music dad came in. Two... The teachers, I got to break down the barriers with them, being a being a guy that again is covered in tattoos and and is coming into a school where it was very diverse class, and everybody there like understood it. Everybody there felt the guitar. That's the best musical experience I had in my life. That's cool, and and what you don't know, I guess there's no way to know, but you might have planted a seed that day. You, I'm you, hoping you might have had a kid. 
that really enjoyed that moment and is jamming out right now with his buddies. And I, I remember saying, you guys all hear this. We all hear it the same way. And yeah. even like, I just hope that I could do that. Because there's yeah. the one thing about the punk rock and art and like your John Aru. And the reason why me and you were so close is we've always believed in unity. We've always believed in accepting everybody. And this goes beyond the whole masses now with, with religion, political stuff. It goes beyond the one person that feels so alone. And we'll get down and we'll bring you up. Mm -hmm. And you can come sit at the table. And you can come hang out. And that was the yeah. one reason yeah. why I felt really connected yeah. with art and the punk scene at a young age. Is I never felt <clears throat> like I fit in. Yeah. And a saying that I always say is we're, we can be alone together. Okay. Because whether you feel alone and I feel alone, we can do it together, man. I'll mm -hmm. sit next to you. Yeah. Because I can't get yeah, in your head yeah. and you can't get in mine. Mm -hmm. But I'll sit next to you. Yeah. And I'll make sure you got some water. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that was like, that was my number one show. And a quick glaze over. My second one, I did an improv. And it was, it was an open mic show. And I showed up and I played drums, guitar. I find myself up on stage with a violinist and a theremin player. I can't picture what a theremin is. A theremin is the very first electrical instrument. It's an, it's an antenna. And oh. the closer you bring your, hair to, your hand to it, it Oh, okay, yeah, 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 I have seen them. Okay. Uh, uh, uh. Well, they have ones. My man, it was, I was playing drums with a violin player and a uh, theremin player. Mm -hmm. And I, unfortunately, I, well, fortunately, I guess, I was on stage the whole night. Because I could play multiple instruments. Mm -hmm. So I kept being invited up on stage. At my, my friend Daniel Gravy Thomas, who's a great person. He was on Isaac Hurt record. Incredible fucking... I'm sorry. Incredible artist. You, you can cuss. I don't care. Oh. By, uh, by the way, um, Isaac Hurt... Do you have your Isaac Hurt stuff on Spotify? I don't. Anything? Isaac Hurt's not on the internet. Good good stuff. I have his Isaac Hurt stuff on my... Um, I plan on putting on it up. On my iTunes. I hope he gets on Spotify. I plan on putting it up. It's good... Good music. I honestly have about 15, 20 songs I plan on putting on the internet that I never yeah. released. Yeah. Please do. Um, yeah. Please, please do before you drop Thank that. you. So, so that show was cool. Because I remember being on stage playing drums with a violin player and a theremin player. No guitar, no bass, no nothing. And the theremin player was going crazy. But you can't move your hands. So his feet were just dancing uh. while his hands are steady. So picture like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> in, your, in your eyes, I know that this isn't visual. Picture your hands steady, but your lower half moving like crazy. Okay. And that's how he played the instrument. While the that's violinist cool. was just honed in on me because he yeah. me and him clicked. And then the third third is my daughter's best friend isn't her name is Aaron, or their their name is Aaron. And um we did I did a benefit for uh for Puerto Rico where it was water filtration and it was um, solar panels. And I went into the heart of Philly in Puerto Rican town. And I was the only white guy there. And my buddy invited me to play guitar and while he did improv. So I played guitar while he did improv. Next thing you know, the whole family invites us in. And we're eating food. And we're eating all the stuff. And I mean, I'm talking to these people. One guy, literally, he was a monk. He lived there in a temple. And I connected with him. And... They allowed me to go up on stage, and then they allowed Aaron to do a spoken word. Oh, nice. So it was Aaron's very first 
poetical experience, okay. like watching them shake and wa- and watching them like like grab the mic and and say something so pure and so honest mm-hmm. as like a young human on on this earth that mm. already has long stories for someone that's only sixteen and already yeah. at this time at this time they were only like twelve mm-hmm. and and to be deep and all to hear a twelve year old speak and it makes you hold your breath and and for to to be welcomed and to be allowed to play the, to play a benefit for a place that I have never been but to feel that that they understood that I was there with good intent nice. that, and that it was so my those were my three favorite shows even though I played in front of thousands of people That's even though great. I played in front of warp tour yeah I would these if I could do three more again it would be them three what one of one of my dreams like that I gave up on a long time ago was to play the truck. Did you, you played the truck? Yeah, we, I played the truck. Sold out with brand new. Uh, yeah. Taking back Sunday. Yeah, that's awesome. I played. Yeah, that's we so cool. I, we sold out yeah. the truck. Well, okay, I didn't sell the truck. Yeah, <laughs> brand I, new I, and taking back Sunday. Sold it out. No, they were there for you. But but, but, <laughs> but but I I I played the truck. Sold yeah. out. I played yeah. the TLA. Sold out. Right now you I, probably sell out the truck before we, brand new one. <laughs> we played the Wells Fargo, or not the Wells Fargo. Yeah, I played uh with someone in Camden. The it changes all the time. Yeah, Sony the, or there whatever we the played. I played there. Or, I don't know what it's called. I played thirty two states. That's awesome. Um, I got to play Gilman Street in, in Berkeley, mm-hmm. California, mm-hmm. Salt Lake City. So, so I, yeah, I mean, I've played probably a thousand shows. So, so to be, I'm going to backtrack a little bit from a personal point of view. I loved playing with Dan and Dwayne, and we've we've talked about this off, besides the podcast. But when we were playing like punk rock stuff and and really stuff that just didn't have a genre, like just we were just playing weird shit. Then it, we started getting into the hardcore scene. They started getting into the hardcore scene. <laughs> and it really wasn't my thing. Like, I was digging, like, Skank and Pickle and the ska scene and, and punk Skank rock. Skank and Pickle and, and Voodoo Glow Skulls uh, and the Trock was a crazy dude, show. Dude, that show was I think you were on stage for half the show. And, and <laughs> I was. You were. That, that, that may be accurate. But um, it just, that, that show really turned me on to, really pushed me in the direction of ska. And Voodoo Glow Skulls blew my mind too but but then anyway we kind of parted ways i quit the band i felt like a loser quitting the band but it was just getting like we were getting into more of the heavy stuff which kind of gave me a a grudge for the next 20 years or so towards like the hardcore stuff (laughs) now i'm i'm so late on hardcore now i'm getting into it now like i'm into the chrome mags and stuff and it, I'm yeah, so, I love I'm the so Crow Mags, man. I'm so late, but I, I love that stuff, Mags, yeah. you know? But, um, yeah, so that was kind of the end of my music career. And then I know I saw you guys play a couple times since then, and I, I felt sad. <laughs> like, I, like, we went over, I, I, I saw you play um, with Dwayne, with somebody else. Forsaken Existence, when I was in Is that. Is that what it was? With him, that's what we did after you, because me and Dwayne continued after, did, when you quit the you, band. Did you play with E-Town? Concrete. Yeah, we played E Town Concrete's first show in that, Philadelphia. That's what it was. I went. I, I, it was in like yeah. a garage. It was in Philadelphia. Right? Yeah, yeah. Joe I, Hardcore booked the show, bro. Yeah. I went to that show, and it was the first time I heard Eat Town Concrete. Yeah. They, they fucking blew. They only had away. demos out. They didn't even have CD. They out were yet. good as hell, and yep. you guys were good as hell, and it killed me. I was like, oh, it was. I used to be in this. Band. First off, it was us. 
A band called Kensington from Philadelphia, clearly. New Jersey Bloodline. Mm-hmm. The reason why I'm bringing that up is because Rec, the singer Enrique, I went on tour with him, and he had passed away a year ago, mm. just yesterday. Oh, sorry um, to hear that. Amazing, and he's from North Jersey with E-Town Concrete. So E-Town Concrete's from Elizabeth, and then New uh, NJ Bloodline's from there. So the show, it was, uh, I think Joe booked it, and it was in Philly. It was a good show. And, and yeah, it was, it's cool, because like E-Town got big. And it's funny, too, because again, I play with like Fall Out Boy and all those bands, yeah. but I'm, I'm more proud that I played E-Town's first show in Philly. That, that was... Being a Jersey boy, like that's... I, dude, I wasn't even into hardcore. <laughs> I was just friends with you guys, and it, yeah. it blew my mind a little bit. That like, was, you dude, guys that, killed it. Those three years, when they yeah. were coming out with their Red Demo, their yeah. Green Demo, and their first record, E-Town yeah. was the shit around yeah. I started listening to E-Town... I mean, I had that experience. I knew I liked them, but I wasn't into like the hardcore stuff. So it just that was. I mean, it. if you're from Jersey yeah. and you're anywhere near that scene, you know who they are. You know? Yeah, and but then I started listening to them like five years ago or something. Good stuff, man. Great, great stuff. Yeah, Anthony's a great lyricist. Great, uh, great gym music. If you're working out, E Town's like top of the list. Yeah, yeah. E Town, Crow Mags, good, good stuff to work out too. But um, <clears throat> so what are your what are your future plans with music? I know you said you just got some new drums, which is All very right. exciting to me. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna. I, it's hard. Or do you have any? I mean, I'm, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start here. When about ten years ago, I started a band called Part Filth. Mm-hmm. Um, band is really, really, really personal. Um, it's with George Foster, who was in Little League and killed Rona. He he's my musical soulmate. Everything that I do, and he touches it. It. It's we were meant to play music together. Okay. Um, but he has he doesn't care about fame, glitz, and glamour either. He actually, when I quit Kill Verona Little League, he quit about a couple months later and and wrote a record with me, which was Isaac Hurt. So he wrote the Isaac Hurt record. Okay. So I've been playing with him since I've been playing with him since '01, but I've been playing with him as a guitar player since '05, and I stopped about two and a half years ago. My drummer, uh, it's weird being public about it, but he doesn't care. My drummer had a drug issue, and he, he's been using since 08. And he, it made music not fun for me anymore. Every time I would play music, I, would, I, I was expressing a lot of my demons in the last record. I have a record I never released. I have a part filth record that isn't released. Wow. And I wrote this record... And I'm telling you, like, it's one of those records where, like, when I play in a room with just the band, I'm, like, in tears playing as if it's, like, the biggest show of my life and no one's watching. And if you ever decide to share it, I'd love to hear it. But my drummer has been using since 08, and and this is 2018 now, 2017, and it started to finally get to me. Mm. Everybody else turned their back on him. Now, I refuse to turn my back on my friends. And I refuse to judge you if you use drugs. I refuse to judge you on anything. Um, I have my own personal journey in this world. Um, I made a lot of choices for myself that I try to stick to. I try to live by honor. And I really, really try to let people be themselves. I have told him and his mother. I've spoke to his mom. I know When you're really friends with someone, you know their family. Yeah. And I had asked him to stop and I had asked to move on and I asked to put him up places. But it, it finally got to the point where everybody else turned their back on him because he would use. And I didn't care. I would watch him shoot up. I would watch him use. It didn't bother me because the music was so great. Mm-hmm. 
And then I started feeling selfish about it. And then I started realizing that he only wanted to get high when he came to practice. And I realized that I was an enabler. Mm. And then I'm telling my own deep, dark secrets in this record. And I'm telling things that I never told anybody. And then I'm watching my drummer fall apart. And I had to walk away. Music became an anxiety attack for me. Mm. I couldn't play without crying. I couldn't play without thinking of all of my nightmares. And it still is really hard for me. I met a guy named Rado with my friend Sean Walker, who is my favorite poet in Philadelphia, who has a ton of demons. I did a lot of spoken words and open mics with him. He's the one who introduced me to the Puerto Rican show that I played, the Puerto Rican Benefit. He introduced me to this boy named Rado. Now, I met Rado, and, I, and he said, yo, you should work with him. You should write a record with him. He, he's good. I said, yo, let me hear. He stood up, hit play on a damn Bluetooth, and just started freestyling for 30 minutes in front of me. And I was watching him. And I'm a lyricist guy. And I was like, this dude is magic. Mm-hmm. And he was good vibes. He had demons, but they weren't holding him down. And he was, like, sober. And I... I haven't played music in two and a half years at this point. I like, I'm talking, I quit. I walked mm. away. My studio has dust. I have thousands of dollars worth of equipment. My drums are worth $5,000. I have 1968 cab, 1970 showman cab. My, my guitars are thousands of dollars. I have this studio set up where I can write. And I, would just, I can't go in that room. Mm-hmm. It became a room where I walked in and I just saw nothing but darkness. And Rado deserved to have this record. Mm-hmm. So just a couple months ago, I started to play with him. And I started to write a record for him. And I was using riffs and songs that I wouldn't use. Riffs and songs that were like a little bit happier for me. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because he made them dark. I would write happy shit. And then he, <laughs> like, I'm like, yo, check this out. And I would, yeah, I'll fix it. Yeah, I would play like this happy, like finger picking riff. Mm-hmm. And then like his delivery and his like, his cadence, his tone. And I was like, I'm going to write a record with him. So I'm in the middle of writing my first, my first couple songs that I, I, I took a long break or a couple year break. And, uh, we have four songs recorded right now. We have two more lined up. I was actually at the studio two days ago. George, who I brought up earlier is on the record. So I'm doing, I personally am doing drums, guitar, and bass. George is doing guitar and keyboards and Rado is doing all the vocals, but he's organizing it all. He is the one that tells us what to change. And I realized by not putting my heart into it, but by putting my ability into it, mm-hmm. because I, I can play many instruments and it's easy for me. Music is simple. And I took it for granted that maybe I could help him tell his story and maybe my abilities can help him project what yeah. he wants yeah. and it ha- he's the leader it's a great thing and i and i i'm just using what my abilities are just like i'm a welder and you're not mm-hmm. and i'm using what i can do to let him have his vision and i realized by by doing music uh from from the second seat from the from the passenger seat that it was a little bit easier for me to get back okay because i'm not taking it so serious mm-hmm. now my former drummer um I'm still in contact with him. I see him every other week. I love him to death. I still have his drums. I asked him if he wanted them back, and he said no because he knows he'll sell them. Mm-hmm. 
So knowing that I still have a connection to one of my favorite musicians ever on this planet that no one else plays with but me, and to know that I'm helping out a new guy that I met, and when I asked him if he could play, he stood up and played. Now, yo, that's a note to anybody listening. If you want to say you're something, live it. Be it. Mm-hmm. If you say you can freestyle, you better freestyle right now. Yeah. If, if you say you're an artist, you better draw something <clears throat> right now. Not that you need to prove yourself to anybody, but you need to be able to define who you are. Mm-hmm. And if that's who you say you are and that's who you want to live yeah. by, you don't need to live in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Everybody that I'm like really close to, I, I'm very blessed that uh, I'm surrounded by such talent. Yeah. Dude, like Ed... Ed Myers, yeah. the cars the guy, he built. The car, right? That's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, like, yeah, dude, a, a car I just, badass. I just somehow meet these yeah. weird ass people that have these weird talents. And, and like, again, you and my, you and your brother, are like, my favorite artists ever. Like, I have your, I have your artwork hanging in my garage yeah. from eighth grade yeah i know is that creepy alien that yes shit or yeah it's like three colors it's like brown black yeah. and gray and I, I think i, I use like the kids poster i think you were throwing it out and i was like dude please don't yeah. throw this out i'm gonna I, take it yeah i've thrown out a lot of art but yeah i throw out a lot of songs yeah so it's weird but right? yeah i mean that, like so um there's no promises mm-hmm. there's no promises with music there's no promises with life but I'm starting to get back to it and I'm starting to uh, find my way back into a way that doesn't bring depression and anxiety into it because mm-hmm. I was overwhelmed as, as a lot of the world is. And, and, I don't, and to be honest, I don't even want to talk about the state, but I want to talk about the mental health of the state and yelling at people that aren't ready to do things doesn't help. Mm-hmm. Forcing anybody that has any sort of depression to go against something that they're feeling uncomfortable about doesn't help. Let's just be patient with each other. Yeah. Let's be patient. That's yeah. all I want to yeah. say. True. I don't even want to talk about it. I just want to say, can we be patient with one another? Yeah. Because sometimes people have anxiety attacks. Sometimes people suffer. And, and they don't have to have a scientific reason. They have to simply say, I don't feel right yet. Yeah. And, you, you know, it, 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 it's sad, but it's truthful. But I get a lot of my... Um, my things that I listen to just from like shitty memes on social media. <laughs> and, and like one of them, one of them is just like, and it's, it's cliche, but it's true. Like everyone's fighting a different battle. Like you, like someone's having a bad day to cut you off or yeah. something or just, you don't know what they're going Hey man, for. you're referring to Rob Williams. You just, you just let it, I just, you just let things go. Like everyone has it. All. Everyone has a story. Everybody's fighting demons. Everybody's fighting something in their life, whether they're, they're losing a job or they got a sick family member or whatever. You don't know anyone's story. Not anyone. Like you might know most of your spouse's story, but you, you just don't know people. So just just give them as much as you can. And even with spouses like uh, Todd Ogren, mm-hmm. who is in Rival Sons, who was in uh, Forsaken yeah. Decisions, gave me this piece of advice the other day. Um, and this is really hard to do. And I mean, honestly, you're going to relate to this more than ever. When you're at work, you're in work mode. Mm-hmm. And then you got to come home and just click and be happy, dad. Yeah. And then like I started realizing how like you invited me to be your first guest, uh, which means a lot. Thank you again. Sure. Um, but then like the eyes of my kids, I'm not there right now. Yeah. I'm not at home with my kids yeah. right now. Yeah. I just work 10 hour a day. Mm-hmm. And then after work, I helped uh, the guy that I work with fill up his girlfriend's tire mm-hmm. 
And I went and brought my truck there because I have a generator yeah. and stuff. So I fixed a flat tire. No, I feel like shit. And then I know. Then I <laughs> then I came home. I got a quick shower. Yeah. My son asked me to take him to the Halloween store. I brought him to the Halloween store. Came right back mm-hmm. and said, "Daddy's got to go." Yeah, and and that's I I really appreciate you, and I, I hope you I hope I was patient enough getting you on. Uh, you, so, you, honestly, you you, um, you asked me months ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I felt like we needed to hurry up and talk and get nah, this over. I, you probably <laughs> delete this whole thing. Nah, We're almost I, at an hour now. Jeez. Yeah, I I wanted to keep it around le- an hour or less, but I mean, I, it is what it is. We well, can cut um, and paste. Yeah, well, that's that's cool. Well, I I do appreciate you coming out. Um, I really do, and and I I did try to be as patient as possible because I, I, to me this is um going to be a long project and you know you know i i talk to you a lot about my projects and i got a lot of projects going on so there you do it wasn't essential for this to start right away this kind of started when it started and i wanted it to start with you that was important to me because i i know that um i i look to you as an inspiration as a musician and an artist and um it was it just i just wanted you to be first and it it's kind of chronological that i mean we've been friends since like middle school so it made sense for you to be first thank you um okay so um i want to say a closing can i yeah, say something you, closing yeah I, i'm gonna pl- plug my, uh, my all my art crap but um you can you can say something in closing if you like all right well i'm looking at the time here it says 57 minutes yeah well i mean there's no rules well the reason why i'm bringing this up is there was 57 minutes and the minutes aren't going to stop mm-hmm. you only have minutes you're only alone in minutes. It's measured. It doesn't even take 24 hours. The day's really 23 and 56 minutes. That's why there's leap year. How do you want to spend your minutes? Yeah. You're going to listen to this. Thank you for listening to this and spending those 57 plus <clears throat> minutes listening to Josh and I. Now you're going to get off and then you're going to have more minutes and they're not going to stop. They are not going to stop. They're not. And... You're going to live and you're going to regret and you're going to hold on to things. And like the one thing that me and you have had since we met is time hasn't stopped, Josh. And we're still here. And some of our friends aren't. We're lucky we're still here. (laughs) And you called me up because you're on this great adventure. and And I love watching you. I love your family. I love seeing what you've become. You're the perfect example of what a father and husband should be. There's only like... Well, thank you. That means a lot. There's only like five people that I even look up to as a relationship Mm -hmm. person. A lot of people forget that self-discovery also comes with what you're willing to do for someone else. Um, My wife and family know that I'm here. They respect you and they love you and they love your family. So when I set this time and these minutes for you, it was already an understanding. Yeah. And like, I just really hope that people understand that and that uh, I I appreciate you bringing me here. And I really am uh, honored that you wanted to sit down and talk and I'll come back whenever you want to talk about anything. If you want to ask me anything, I'll be honest. But that's awesome, Dan. And I thank you and your family. I thank you for your time. Um, just to kind of add on real quick to what you're saying, uh, a big theme of, of my art and my business and everything is kind of what you're saying about time. We, We could have, we could have a lot of minutes left. We, we could have, we could have 10. Like you don't know. Like it 
shit happens, and it, it happens to good people. This might be the last time we see each other. It could be, you know. So I try to, I try to live my life that way. The past couple of years, I've I've really realized that work doesn't fucking matter. Like, it doesn't matter. And yeah, I got to go there and 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 earn money to take care of my family. But it, it's that time in between that is so precious and. And like we we usually take a summer vacation. I took two this year. You know, as a meme, it, it wasn't be- the best financial decision <laughs> for me. But you know what? I could be dead next. So um, I I'm not sure where the the recording cut off, but we hit an hour and it cut off. So I'm just gonna pick up with my general mindset, just talking about time. And I have had the great privilege, a uh, small amount of times, in my art career that people have come to me and told me I inspired them to do something, to write a book, to write a song, to create a piece of art. And that that is a huge, good, it's an amazing feeling that I was not expecting. And that's kind of why this podcast is here. Um, I want to walk, I'm going to walk you through all these episodes through my art business and the people that I love and care about and people that have helped me and people I've met along the way. And just kind of go through my process of building something that I love with the time that I have here, however long that is. And it, if somebody gets inspired to to create art or, or start a band or or start a bakery or just do whatever is in their heart that they love, that that's kind of what this is about. So if we if if I can do that, that's great. And let me I'm gonna plug my art real quick. Uh, Rose Bear Arts. I sell stickers and t-shirts and prints and I, the longer I go the more different stuff there's going to be that I do. It's rosebeararts.etsy.com if you want to look at anything to purchase. Um, I'm on all the social medias at Rose Bear Arts wherever your social media is. Uh, I have a sticker show in November. Uh, quick, quick recap of the sticker show. For at least six months I've been collecting sticker art from generous artists uh, all over the planet. I got stuff from everywhere and we're going to be creating, me and a few other artists are going to be creating uh, several large pieces of basically collages or different unique art pieces out of the stickers from all over the world and they're going to be displayed at one of my favorite spots, Chomsky's in Winona. It's a little coffee shop, great people, good food, Good coffee, just just a cool little spot, and a wonderful cool, place, cool little town, and we're gonna have November first through the twentieth. The art is gonna be displayed. I'm gonna figure out how to sell it. It might be an auction, might just be priced, but all the money raised is gonna go to Don't Bully Us Dog Rescue. I love dogs. I love animals. It's a no brainer. Um, and uh, if you're one of the artists that have given me the hundreds and hundreds of stickers, thank you so much. And please follow my social media to watch the progress as we get closer to that show. Um, I got my comic strip, Tim Reaper. If you go on Instagram, it's Tim Reaper, a Philly tale. Uh, that's a whole nother story, long story, but it, it's a comic strip I'm working on. That's kind of my, uh, that's going to be my opus. That will be um, uh, probably another two years of work to do. And eventually I'll get it published. And But as I make the cartoon, I put it on my Instagram and you if you have patience you can read it as I go. And then last but not least uh, is John Aru. Um, next year I got a couple partners. We're working on an arts and music festival. 
Um, this is going to be a huge event. We're going to grow every year. We'll build. We're building this for the future. We're building this model for artists to collaborate and to work together. And it's. I mean, we're going to have some good bands out. We're going to have artists coming out, and um, we have space for three hundred artists. And I'm not going to stop until I fill all the spaces, because the more of us together, the stronger we are. And when we get the good bands coming out, we'll have the crowds to be there to to financially help the artists by buying stuff. And um, check out John Aru, J-A-W-N-A-R-O-O, wherever you check your social media. And it's at johnaru.com too. Um, I, that's all I got. Dan, thank you so much for coming out and giving me your time. Um, thank your family for, for giving me some your time because I, I know how busy you are at work Thank and how you. precious it is Josh it's, I'm probably not going to listen to it because I was here I know you won't <laughs> but <laughs> I know you Dan I know, you, I know you're not listening to this podcast uh, but uh, this has been great I, I, I love I episode number one already so th- thank you Dan thank you everyone for listening and um, I'll be back at some point with episode two I'm slow so it could be in a month or three months but Thank you. It will be. See you.